It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley and Stevie Nicker. We'll kick things off in the Premier League. Of course, quite a few surprise results this weekend. But overall, it's Arsenal the happiest of the teams as they sit now two points clear at the top of the table. City, of course, through with Forest United with that victory over Leicester. Spurs, meanwhile, beating West Ham to move above Newcastle, lost to Liverpool. Spurs now sitting in fourth. Now, with it, as always, quite a few controversial calls throughout those games and beyond. The one and only Mark Clattenberg in a cupboard in Spain joins us, as does Frank LeBeouf as well, to give us his two pennies. Let's start off, shall we, with the Manchester City game against Forest. We discussed this at length, obviously, over the last couple of days, Mark. That challenge on Erling Haaland, I think I'm right in saying only Yanaga Fjortov thought this was a red card. Yeah, and the, the problem what I've got is I just don't understand why Haaland went down in this situation because his gold side... He has a chance to score. And when players normally have a chance to score, I would always look as a referee thinking there must be some contact. So I'm trying to look where there is a contact. Is there a contact on the shoulder? Is it enough to go down? I just felt that if the referee give a red card on the day, nobody would argue and you would, you would say, look, I'll support it as a VAR. If it hasn't been given, the VAR has to say, that is there a clear enough evidence to suggest that this is a red card. I don't believe there is enough evidence. But when I saw this live, I thought Haaland's in on goal. There is an sh- arm on the shoulder. And I would probably have given this as a, as a foul and a red card. But this would be very, very subjective to everybody. That is there an argument? Is that contact enough? But I think Haaland's in on goal. Why would Haaland go down in this situation? Right, so what, red card or not, Mark, after all of that? Yeah, no, no, I've said, I, I, I said it, I would give a red card. Um, right, in live think... play, I would give a red card. But then if you looked at the monitor, if I sent you over to the monitor, would you change your mind? I think, that, I don't think the VR would have done that because but once, what if they I think did? the referee, <laughs> if they did, I think there's enough, the, 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 once the arm is on the shoulder, you, once you see, the ah. defender miscontrols it, it's that arm goes down, why would, Harlan go down in this situation. Is there a tug on the shoulder? It's not just a touch there, but the arm on the shoulder. Why would Harlan go down there when he has a clear strike at goal and it's outside the penalty area? If it's inside the penalty area, you can always argue and think, well, hold on, is the player trying to deceive us to win a penalty? This is clearly outside. Why would the player go down and after? We, 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 we don't look as, play, as a referee to go, how much contact's on the shoulder? Because we can't understand that. It's up to the, the, when the defender makes that grab and t- touches the hand on the shoulder, we've got to make that judgment call. Is that enough? And the player goes down. For me, I think that contact's enough. It's interesting because I think everyone who, s- who saw this incident at first thought mm-hmm. this is a red card. And it was only the replays yeah. that made you all yeah. kind of think, well, wait a minute. Yeah. There isn't enough exactly. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely spot on. And, and I was looking going, oh, I think the referee has made a mistake there. Uh, went to the replay and I went, 
they're not going to send him to the monitor. They're just not. Mm. And we had this with Jan yesterday, who is obviously digging in. Yes. Digging the trench on this one and, and one, and one or two, the flag. And one or two others. And he said, well, why would Haaland go down? I said, well, you need to ask him. Because I really don't think there was enough... And he was no. giving me a spiel about... And he's not here. Balance. He's giving me a spiel about how quick he was running and all that. I just don't think there was anywhere in, uh, enough contact from Worrell to send anybody down. Never mind a guy as powerful and as strong as him. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you agree. He, he's obviously had it in his head the whole time. As soon as he's got himself in front of Worrell, he's like, I'm, he's just waiting on the contact. And as soon as anything comes, I think he's already made his mind up. He's going down. Uh, there was a similar incident, of course, in Germany. The difference in the Bundesliga is obviously the referees come out and talk about their decision. This is what Tobias Wells had to say about the sending off of Meccano. A player tried to keep running, but there was contact on the shoulder from the Bayern player, which made him lose his balance. Meccano was the last man, therefore red card. Of course, I had discussed it with the video assistant. Now this, I think, he also checked it for a long time. The VAR could not have given me any other pictures than the ones I saw live on the pitch. That's why we agreed there was no need to review it. Of course, it's a very close call. There are arguments on both sides. The contact on the shoulder was the decisive argument for me. What did you make of this, Mark? But that's, that's just what we've just talked about. If the referee gives the decision for me, then this decision has to stay on the field of play. We would argue if the referee didn't give it, there would be an argument to say, look, there is a clear contact on the shoulder. It's made him lose balance. And therefore, why is it not a foul? And therefore, we'll have this conversation week in, week out. I prefer that the referee gives this decision. And once he gives the decision, he gives the VAR the chance to, to, to review it. The referee said, I think it's a foul. Therefore, I believe it's a red card because it's outside the penalty area. I'm going to stick by my decision. The VAR hasn't got enough evidence. We'll go back to the last challenge with Haaland. Because the referee didn't give it, I can understand why the VAR doesn't interfere. All I said was, as a referee, I believe if you'd give Haaland's decision, would the VAR have overturned it? He wouldn't have. He would have stuck with the referee's original decision. And that's all I asked for. Week in, week out, we just want referees to make the decisions. This referee's take, definitely taken the Jan Agafiotov stance on... Uh, yeah, very much sorry, so. stubbornness. Yes. Yeah, Stevie? Yeah, I don't... The, again, yes, there's contact, as right. there was with Haaland. Yeah. But for me, when you look, when you look at the, the guy going forward, I can't remember his name, if a Pumacano puts any sort of pressure on him, where he, where he supposedly tugs him, he would have spun him the other way. Right. He doesn't. The guy, the guy can't wait to go down. You look at him, as, as soon as he feels the contact, and just there, and he, I mean, you're telling me that that knocks you over? Not a chance. And yeah. as I said, look, if he really tugs him, he doesn't land flat on his face straight. Right. He dives onto his face. If that's a proper tug, if there's any sort of real pressure on him, he spins. Uh, Frank, you said that the weekend you felt this was a red card. Are you sticking with that? I do, I do. I think uh, what I see is player trying to recover to, uh, from, from the, uh, the pulling of Upamecano, but feel that he can't get it. So, of course, maybe he exaggerated it a bit, but the comparison with Alan, uh, uh, you know, struck, struck me in the way that uh, Alan, we can see as an actor, <laughs> that is too oh. much. 
the exaggeration is too big <laughs> and that, that's that is for me it's fake and and so it's not real and i can see that the 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 the, the, the touch or the contact of the player is not big enough for Haaland to fall down the way he falls and we can see that it's an exaggeration where i don't feel the same for a player who are thinking a full pace and his touch pulled by Upamecano on his arm and tried to recover but can't, can't get it. Not that he's going to lose the ball, so of course he's going to fall. It would be stupid as not falling, but for me that's a real contact because don't forget that football is a contact sport. But it's a real contact who unbalances player in the case and there isn't any contact enough who unbalances Alan well. And, and it's why I, I stick to a player or Bayern Munich or Upamecano getting a red card and not on Nottingham Forest defender getting a red card. Wow, Ireland struggling for goals and now his critique from Frank LeBeouf as an actor <coughs> is not a good one. Uh, Mark, we obviously hear from German referees after these sort of decisions. Would you like to see that in the Premier League? As a referee, would you like to have some sort of voice? Yeah, I think this is the way forward. I think Howard Webb... The new uh, Pigeon World head of refereeing will do this. I think everything's about transparency. And I like to hear that, you know, referees come out to speak, to actually explain the decision. Even if we don't agree with it, at least we can try and understand why they give a decision. I believe this is the way forward. And, you know, I think we'll see more and more of it. I think German referees are more advanced than the, P uh, the English Premier League, for example. Even the German referees go and stand next to the coach after a game and explain the decision. So I think this is the way forward and I quite like the idea that I can understand why they've given the decision. We've learned over the years you've got quite a frosty re relationship with some former referees you used to work with. Where is Howard Webb in your friendship circle, Mark? It depends if I want a job, Dan. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so no, it's... Howard Webb is a very, very good guy. <laughs> no, no. Very good. Can we think, do you want to put your number up at the bottom yeah, of the screen yeah, there? Just, just, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. But no, I think, I think what Howard did for the, for, for the MLS, for example, I thought he got the, the, the VR very, very... <laughs> Very, very you good. You don't have to suck up now. It's fine, Mark. No, no. It's I all think... right. This is, a, this is an interview. This is a forum no, to talk to. I, I think we've got, to, we've got to give credit where. We've got to give it credit where due is. I think the Pigeon World have got a big task ahead. Like, for example, the Pigeon World have just dismissed Lee Mason, who had some really, really bad calls. And this is a way to step forward that, you know, Howard Webb is not going to accept, you know, bad decisions. And I think we've got to see what's going to happen over the next months. Howard Webb's got a big task ahead and, you know, there's so many, you know, the referees are so inexperienced, but the, v the VRs are having a bit of a disaster at the moment. Okay. Didn't uh, know that. Dismissed Lee Mason. Yes. Yeah. Well, mutual agreement is the mm. official oh, line. I mean, he was one of the more Hamburg. experienced ones as well. I mean, yes. You, think yeah. that you would have thought stepping off the field with the experience he had, it would have been a perfect scenario for him. Yes. But, now, fair play. I mean, fair play to Howard Webb if that's how he's handling it because it's been needed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Off the back of Mike, Mike Riley. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. Away from this Howard Webb loving, uh, let's go back <laughs> to some action from the weekend. Uh, United against Leicester. Should Savage have been sent off, Mark? This will cause a great debate. And if we look at the challenge itself and where the studs land on the leg, is it enough excessive force? Is there enough malice in the challenge you can argue it i just think that this player is very 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 fortunate that 
we look at does this challenge endanger the safety of the opponent for me this challenge does have a chance to endanger the safety of the opponent is there enough malice in the challenge is there enough force in the challenge this is the argument that will lead to people saying it's a yellow card over a red card but for me if the referee give a red card i wouldn't have been surprised and i would have accepted it but there'll always be this argument is there enough excessive force this is one of those challenges. I, I didn't have a problem either way. Oh, so if it was a red card, you wouldn't have been too concerned? I mean, if it had been a red card, I personally don't... I'm personally OK with the, the, the yellow card. OK. But had he given a red, I might have just said, well, you know, if you're going to put yourself in that position and make a stupid sort of lunge, then... It then was no card in the end, wasn't it? Was it, it no was card? No card. Well... I mean, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was more, I said in yesterday's show, it was clumsy at best, it was more of a flick, right. but... Stevie? No, I, I think that's the right word, more <laughs> of a, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a follow through, uh, he certainly hasn't had any intent to, to do the guy, Mies has just got there before him, and I think... At the end of it, Sabitzer realises that and actually pulls away. Yes, there's contact, mm. but for me, I mean, it's a foul, but it's certainly not a red card in a million years. I, I don't think so at all. OK, let's move on, shall we, to the Chelsea game against Southampton. Uh, Koulibaly was booked for this challenge. This was uh, early on in the game. Should this have been a red, Mark? Yeah, but if you look at the similar, this very similar type of challenges, that one goes in, the both above the ankle, one goes, seriously, both to the knees. The problem with this one, slightly, which is probably benefits him, that's why the VR doesn't interfere, is the legs bent. There's no malice, and therefore he probably looks at that, judges that into the challenge and goes, I'll support the referee's decision. If the referee give a red card on the day, I would expect the VR to support it. But once mm. the referee gives a yellow card on the day, there isn't enough to overturn that decision. There's not enough force because the leg is bent, even though the studs are towards the knee. What do you think, Frank? Well, I could have gone with the red card because I think the power that he puts when he wants to get the ball and the way that he put his foot and what he does after the ball is gone, it's like he wants, really wants to put the power and, and, and make a point and makes a point. So, so I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been surprised with a red card. And um, even if uh, on Sabitzer, I think the, the power that Sabitzer put is slight. So, and he takes his foot out, you know, as soon as he touches. I see there that the power is there and he keeps the power. So he doesn't take it away. And uh, I, I would go for a red card on that one. Red, red. Stevie, I know you, you think it's red, yeah? Yeah, that's a red card. I mean, if he's four inches to the right, right. we're talking reconstructive surgery. Mm. So, yeah, it's a red all day. 50-50 on this one again. Oh, yeah? You're a very 50-50 move. I think it's more of a rake than anything <laughs> else. And plus, he's gone for the ball. It's not like... The ball is actually there to be won. I know that's not the only criteria. Uh, but I thought it was more of a rake and more of a, a, a momentum issue of him coming through, trying to play the ball, and then having basically nowhere to go. Yeah. So you can argue then, well, should he... Should he have approached it differently? I, 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 it's very difficult. In those it's above the knee, though. Yeah, but the, the, the other one was high as well, you know. 
I, I was okay with that decision. Uh, let's move it on. The same game, Afpilicueta, of course, had to be stretched off, went to hospital, fortunately, uh, reports are, and obviously posted on social media that he's oh. okay. <laughs> Should this have been a red card, Mark? No, because we're talking millimetres, and we'll argue and go, is this dangerous player? This player only wants to score a world-class goal, and it happened to me as a referee, and you're talking millimetres where a player scores an overhead kick and everybody says it's a wonderful goal, and he's just missed the head of an opponent, a defender who's trying to head the ball away from goal, and everybody says what a great goal it was. So we're talking millimetres from being either a great goal or now we've seen the contact on the head. So for me, this is just an unfortunate incident that would just have to accept and I don't believe that this is a red card type of challenge. This, 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 I've, you know no. I've talked about this quite a lot. Uh, this drives me bonkers. I don't think in the current laws it should be a red card, but it's the, it's the, it's the officiating the laws and the interpretation that drive me crazy. I've said many, many times, I don't think this should be allowed in the penalty box. And I, I get it. I, I, I understand people want to see overhead kicks. There's been many over the years. Think about Wayne Rooney. There's been, you know, Gareth Bale in the Champions League final. The list is endless. It is a skill. But we, we're living in an era where player safety has never been more important. Mm. You know, we talk about concussion in, in football. We talk about players from previous era heading balls and the problems down the, down the line with dementia that's been very much in the news. So why is it allowed only in the penalty box when, there's a, when somebody can say, oh, this could be a great goal, when a defender, and generally when the ball's in the box, if it's from a set piece or a cross, there's generally a lot of bodies. People are going to put their heads in. Yeah. Some, some guys are really brave, they're going to put their head in. And I'm surprised we don't see more of this. Right. I, I really am. Now, I, I, I love all these overhead kicks and all that, but things like that are an accident waiting to happen more than we're seeing. Because uh, that, you're, you're flying for an overhead kick. You've no idea whose head's coming in. Sure. You've no idea. Sure. You've no idea. So the excuse if all you're thinking about is the ball. You're, you're, your eyes on the ball, you're thinking about your timing, and you've got some brave guy yeah. who's about to put his head yeah. in. And I feel like Quetta wasn't bending down, was he? Like, no, so and I don't have a problem. We saw one in the uh, Man City Arsenal game. I think it might have been one of the city defenders with Nketiah who actually bent down to knee height. So I don't have an issue with that if you stoop your head down. Can I, can I ask Mark, right? What's the difference between that and somebody headering an opponent? If I go for a header and I head the ball and then a split second later, somebody heads me with the forehead right in the, right in the head, it's a red card. So why is it not a red card if you, you, if you get kicked in the head, but it is if somebody headers you? Why, why, what's the difference? Why is there a difference? <laughs> the, the, the problem you've got, Stevie, is this player from Southampton wants to score. And, and I suppose, I, I listen to what Craig just said. There's an argument that we as referees will look and we get criticised, for example, if, if a player goes in with a head and at the last moment he pulls out and the player scores a great goal and we disallow it, everybody will go crazy at the referee and go, why do you disallow it? Because we've just seen a great goal, for example. We're talking, we're talking millimetres here where the player, like Asquet, uh, when we get a defender, for example, going flying in to clear the ball with a head and then we've got the player trying to 
to score a great goal, for example. It's millimetres, it's, it's split seconds, and we don't see it as referees. What's the difference? We don't, a millimetre if you go for a header? We don't, see, milli- we don't see it as dangerous play. We don't see that as referees as dangerous play. We see it as, OK, then, that shouldn't happen. We, we accept it. We have to defend and accept and look after the defenders, but we don't see that as a red card challenge because it do, we don't feel it doesn't endanger the safety of the opponent. The player's trying to make a kick, at a, an overhead kick, for example, and the player's putting his head in. We don't see that. So therefore, what Craig said is very correct. Either we change the laws of the game and we say, look, every foot that's above the waist height, for example, that catches an opponent, we're going to give a red card because we have to be consistent across everything that we do. We can't just say, this is a red card, and then we'll see you one week later where the defender puts his head out and the player does the same action again. Why should we deem it not a red card? So maybe we need to change the laws of the game to suit this type of challenge. I mean, you think about Azpilicueta, right? Very experienced player, been a bit of a Trojan over the years. Uh, can he hardly defend her? But you, you think about the position he's in now, having suffered whatever he's suffered in terms of the injuries, going back out in the field in a month or six weeks' time, and he's in a similar position, and he's playing for his team, and he sees, he sees this build-up and something might happen, and he's got a decision to make. Do I put my head back in there mm. to stop this potential goal? Or do I not make a challenge for my own safety, thus possibly giving up, you know, a goal for my team? My argument is, and the point you made, Mark, about if the law was determining how high a book could be and over that was an infringement, then at least it would be clear. Right. At the moment, I think it's, it's too ambiguous when it's in the penalty area. It's carte blanche for any ball bouncing around for a player to do that. And we see a lot of defenders put their head in and just get missed. And I think it's a big concern. And we saw the, we saw the outcome of it at the weekend. Do you find it strange that Mark, when he answered the question right off the bat, he was more concerned about the player scoring a goal? Right. Whereas we talk about red cards, part of the argument why it is a red card is endangering your opponent. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how you can endanger your opponent any, any worse than flying yeah, in the air and kicking yeah. him straight in the face. But yet, Mark's, Mark's answer to me is incredible. He was thinking about the player and the goal first rather than the well-being of the player. That surprised me. No, no, but Steve, it's not about that. What we're talking about is millimetres. I, I remember refereeing a game at Southampton many, many years ago. Some Pella did the same thing. Pella scored an overhead kick. And when you watch the action again, the defender actually pulled his head away. Where in this action, the defender put his head in and therefore there was a clear contact. What happened in my situation was when Pella scored this world-class goal, the defender pulled away. And I didn't think that was right. And I wanted to give a foul. But I knew if I'd give a foul, I would have been criticised across the world going, why did he disallow this goal? And this is where referees are in this, how do we say difficult situation do we go and disallow or do we go and protect the defenders we're in a really difficult because there's no law says where we judge where the high foot is if the player goes and scores so if i go as a defender and i go and pull out is that right when the player goes and scores a great goal and you will criticize us again next week 
if the referee goes and disallows it. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a really difficult situation for a referee where we judge this level. Last, I, I just want to, I've got to move on because I just want the last word on this to you, Frank. Uh, well, football is, uh, is um, it's, uh, it's a game of interpre- interpretation and the stand mark, you know, willing to see beautiful goals, you know, and that's, I have no problem with that. But as much as you will take risk when you tackle somebody, you will try a bicycle kick and, and hit the guy in the face. And for me, it doesn't really matter if you scored, if you don't score, but that's your own risk of trying something special. Like, again, if you tackle somebody and you miss it and you injure a player and you see somebody leaving the field, you know, because he's injured. Therefore, for me, it should be automatic where the player who got, even if it's a clumsy action, where the player who created that incident should be gone with the player's injured. That should be automatic. It doesn't matter if you did a bicycle kick or a tackle, you shouldn't stay on the field while the, the other, who didn't ask for anything, is on the, I, do, I, don't know, I don't know how you say that, it's on a stretcher, it says, oh, it's on a stretcher yeah. and get out. Yeah, and get out. That's not possible for me. That's not the way I see football. You can try, it's beautiful, but the guy hit Aspiriqueta on his face. So you take the risk, and if you miss it, and you hit the head of the guy, and the guy got injured, you get out. Red card. That's, just, just br- there's no just discussion br- for me. Just, just briefly, I don't have a problem with the officiating in this game, because that's the way the laws are, are set out at the moment. But let me, the, game can live, the game can manage well without bicycle kicks in the box, right? The game will survive. And the other thing is, I'll tell you what you'll see more of. Will you see more great goals or more injuries? Right. It'll be the latter. It'll be the latter for sure. And I think, you know, something, this is one of the laws, and I've said it for years now, I don't understand why this is allowed in the box, because it's dangerous. Uh, we'll see. Which country next week will you be joining us from, Mark? Spain. <laughs> oh, there we are. Lovely. Thank you very much, as, Mark. As, as I'm celebrating Newcastle's cup final win. Is that correct or not? Ooh. Oh, depending oh, on what no. you no. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, just a reminder then, extra time as always is available over on our YouTube channel where we stay late to answer your questions. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. 
Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. It was, of course, a new low, meanwhile, for Chelsea, losing at home against Southampton at the weekend. Graham Potter very much under pressure. Uh, 25 games, just the nine victories within that run. Uh, this is what he had to say after the clash in the press conference. We've had a tough period. We've had lots of challenges integrating young players into the Premier League. I'm sure there will be people out there who will think I'm the problem. I don't think they're right. I'm not arrogant enough to say their opinion isn't worth articulating. My job is to help the team keep working through a tough period. When we've lost 1-0 at home to Southampton, with the greatest respect to them, it isn't good enough. Well, uh, Frank with us, Jules, as well. Uh, Jules, before we get into to everything, mm. how low does Chelsea have to go before they consider sacking Potter? <laughs> well, lower than where they are now, Dan, because they, they still will give him time right now. They still have faith in him. They think it's a, it's a process that will take time to build the team the way Graham Potter wants it, to integrate everybody, to make sure that it's working. Personally, I think there will be a time where this kind of form continues, that it will be inevitable that they, they get rid of him, and even if they don't really want to. But right now, certainly what they're briefing is that he still has time, he still has the backup of the, 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 the owners, of the people around him. Even if the fans are starting to turn and the atmosphere was not very good at all at the weekend because of the poor form that they're on, and I think maybe this is, this is the thing that will impact on his future because if the fans are really turning on him then I think it would be inevitable for the ownership to unfortunately even if they don't want to to have to make that decision. It's incredible Craig when you look at that record last 10 games just one yep. just one well, it's win. It's not good enough but I still think he'll get to, to the summer and pre-season and next season. You can't sit here and say this is a crazy cobbled together supermarket sweep squad that's been put together. And yeah, they should be better than Southampton, right? I'll give you that. The performance in Dortmund was good. We'll see what happens in the next leg. When he went to Scandinavia, it took him a while, and then they went up through the divisions. When he went to Swansea and then Brighton, it took him a little while. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater just yet, to be honest. Otherwise, it's just, oh, a few results, let's file them. few results, let's file them. I think at least for the time being, the Chelsea board, and I'm not saying he's the next coming of Sir Alex Ferguson, I, I, I just don't know. But what we do know is the guy's been a good, he's a good coach and he coached well at the clubs he's been at. He's got a CV, he's got a resume. He's not got the Chelsea job because he's an ex-player. Not got the Chelsea job because he's mates of ex-players. He's got the Chelsea job off the back of what he's done. And I think he needs to be given at least a bit of time to try and integrate what he wants to do across the board at Chelsea amongst all these changes and I think you'll get that time. But from a Chelsea supporters point of view you want to see that a light, some sort of development, some sort of change, something that is happening on the pitch that gives you a little bit of faith and that it just isn't apparent at the moment. To be honest I'm kind of stuck on him personally. I, I, I agree with you if you're a fan you, you, you want to see some light in the end of the tunnel and I'm, again I'm with Craig, I, I, I think it would be crazy to, to let him go I think he should definitely get the, the pre-season and then if they start badly, then okay. But the one thing that I don't like is when he comes out after games and says things 
like he did. Like what? And this in particular, what, 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 nice. what grade did you? Yeah. Think? How you? How about you bite back and tell people? You know what? I'm. I'm. Don't you? If you think I'm not doing what I can to make this team better. You know, just come back with some fight. But you know some, how that would be. That would be Graham Potter starts to I, lose the plot. Do you know plot. what? I, I, I don't care. It's bland. Every single time it comes out after another defeat, it's bland. And, and you don't even want to listen to it or read it. Just, even if, even if you're talking nonsense, start fighting back. Give us, give us something to get behind you with. Particularly the fans. You know, Jules is basically saying there, the only way he's getting the sack is if the fans turn. Right. Well, you know what? You need to get somehow and say something and show that you're fighting. Maybe in the maybe on the outside you're really calm, but if you, if you if the inside's turmoil, how about you let us see it a little bit and show that you care? That's oh, what if I I'm a fan. Well, that's what I want to see. I, I think it's hard. I think you, I don't think you can deny that he cares. I don't. I, I'm not saying, but show it. Well, I'm sure he, we, we know he cares. We know he cares. Different. But if you're a fan, you want him fighting back. Not just bland comments and as if you're accepting it. Because that's, that's the impression I get. Every time I read what he says after games, after another bad performance, it's almost like an acceptance. I just want to see some fight. No, I don't think... I think that's wrong, Stevie. What, I don't, he's, I don't what, think he's sitting I, back going, I, I, yes. Well, no, no, well, I don't think in any way, shape, well, or with form. all due respect, well, that's, uh, but that's, that's, it's that's, better, yeah, we should be beating South Well, that's his mannerisms. Well, if, uh, in no way, <laughs> shape, or form, he accepted You've got to survive, Craig. You've got, oh, to, you've got to do something. Oh, you've got to find a way to survive, right? And if that means that, that you, you change from this pan face... I wouldn't change bland, what's... not really saying anything in order to keep your job, then you do it. I wouldn't change what's got me there. If that's what he thinks has is, is, is got him there and is going to keep him there, that's the way, that's the way he seems to be. Well, he's, he's in trouble then. If it's, if it's going to be down to the fans, he's in trouble. What do you think, Frank? Well, I think it will, it will make no sense to, uh, to fire him right now. There is a, a last challenge, is the Champions League, and they have a, the, second, the, the return game, the second tie against Dortmund. To get another coach right now will make no sense because... What about his demeanour? Frank, what, what about what the boys are discussing, his demeanour well, after games? Well, no, no, don't make any comment because you would be wrong. Um, but the fans, they have to understand that it doesn't make any decision. When you have Badia Shili not being registered in the Champions League, when you know that he plays every game in the Premier League, you, from there, know that it's not the decision of, uh, of Graham Potter. So it's decision from the board. So it means that that guy doesn't make any decision because he doesn't pick the players. So therefore, yeah, he carries some responsibilities, of some players for the team selection but he doesn't carry all the responsibility the club is responsible because they didn't give him a striker the players are responsible because they didn't give 100 100% from most of them so you have to share the responsibilities therefore you shouldn't go out and say something like that because you're going to be conflicted to, the, to the, the, the fans who only want to say, see changes. And the only way to change something, or the easiest way to change something, is to change the coach. <clears throat> Which, in that case, for me, doesn't make any sense, because you still have the second tie against Dortmund. Maybe from there, if they're out of the Champions League, maybe it would be the time to think about another coach, maybe to prepare the new season. 
But before that, doesn't make any sense. Never has... Look, <clears throat> I think this is less about results for the time being. Although you need to have enough results to keep the wolves from the door. But there's no squad in the Premier League that as they're trying to build it and buy players needs tapered and trimmed as well. And that's a process. That is a process that they're going to have to wait to the summer now because you want to have a squad of players that's efficient. And they don't have that at the moment. They've just got a busload of players. Mm. Some injured, some not, some new, some old, some in form. Some haven't been good at Chelsea, some have. It, it, it needs, the whole thing needs tapered and trimmed. And he, he, for me, he needs to get enough results just to keep the rules from the door until he can get to that point. It must be a nightmare, Stevie, because you always say one of the hardest things about coaching is keeping the players who aren't playing happy. Right. But there's so many of these players flapping around, they're new to the club. There well, must be can't. so many different divisions and corners and balls you're trying to juggle at the same time. Impossible, you can't. You just flat out cannot deal with that amount of players and that amount of players of that quality. Listen, if you've got a squad of 39 and, and 15, 15 of them are not very good and they're just happy to be there because they're getting a wage, right. then it's okay. But that's not what you've got. You've got 30-odd players who all think they should be playing and who've all got ability. So from a coaching point of view, you can do it. And from a coaching point of view, you like to have a squad that you work with, that you can rotate and you know your best 11. That's the perfect scenario. He, can't, he has got no way of doing that. Has he got enough, enough respect within those? players? I do not know. I couldn't answer that. I don't know. The, I, I, don't think there's a, I don't think any player, the first day that a coach walks in, does, does nothing else than give them respect. Right. It's what he does yeah. day in and day out. And, and you can still have respect for the coach even though you're not winning games. Because if, if he's saying the right things, but they're not doing it, then again, they will keep respect for them. But if he's... If he's coming out with stuff and they're all going, hold on a second, what's this guy on about? Then it'll very quickly fall apart. And then upstairs, in, a bit, in the building, upstairs knows exactly what's going on downstairs. Mm. I'm sorry, this the whole... Smell this, this, this the smell rises. The smell rises when whole, it's rotten. This whole training thing must be a shambles at the moment. It's impossible uh, to train. How, how do you get a core of players to work with? You, you know, even back, back in the day, you had however many... Uh, uh, for your first team, 16 or whatever it was, and then some others were the resis, right? And, and the kids coming through. And that was acceptable. Acceptable because players were coming back from injury or they were out of the team, and then you worked with the core. And I know squads are slightly bigger and blah, 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 but not this big. So how do you work with a core group whilst you've got others who should be in the core group because they've been brought in, they're talented, they're getting paid a fortune and cost a fortune, and you're splitting all this up. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work having that many players. It doesn't work. Uh, last word to you, Frank. Uh, well, I think for me, the main uh, problem that Chelsea has is they have no leaders inside the team, except maybe Aspiliqueta. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, you know, Aspiliqueta just talking in the tunnel to the other players with no reaction whatsoever from the others. Like, mm. they don't care. Uh, that's not the DNA of Chelsea. I've always seen, you know, big... You know, leaders with big characters, you know, inside every team that I, uh, that I saw Chelsea playing with. That's not the case. 
We have young talent with no experience for most of them and no leadership. Except Aspiliqueta, technically Thiago Silva, but not a talker in the dressing room. That's it. That's it. Where are the Denis Wise, the Lampard, the Desai, the Drogba, the Gianluca Vialli? The, those players, Jimmy Grief, the, the, um, yeah, uh, where they, 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 we had leaders in the whole history of the club. That's been like quite a while since we've, we, we, we've seen leaders and it's not enough. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, of course, for Chelsea over the next few weeks. And meanwhile... Biggest game in the Champions League on Tuesday, without a doubt, sees Liverpool take on Real Madrid. Of course, it is a replay of the Champions League final. Two teams in very different forms going into Tuesday's side compared to that of the final last year. Uh, just a reminder, these two teams have met quite a bit over recent years and every single time Real Madrid had a team that have won the final or indeed advanced. How much, if anything, does that affect tomorrow's match, do you think? I don't think it affects tomorrow's match at all because of the situation that particularly right. Liverpool find themselves So there won't be in. like revenge, we've got to beat them because they beat us in the Champions League final? No, not. If, if Liverpool had been sitting either at the top of the league or second top fighting and, you know, being com competitive to the Premier League and everything else, then you, as the coach, can start using that stuff. Right. But right now, I mean, forget that. You've got enough. You've got enough to do without trying to. If that's your only motivation, then the way they're playing right now, it, that isn't going to work. What do you mean you've got enough to do as a coach? He has to make sure that every single one of them, from the first minute to the last minute, at the very least, is disciplined when they don't have the ball. If I'm Klopp, that's what I'm concentrating on because with the ball, we know what they're capable of. Yeah. With the ball. For 20 minutes against Newcastle, going forward, they looked really, really dangerous. So we know what they're capable of with the ball. The problem is right now, without the ball, they're in absolute shambles. So the only thing Klopp has to concentrate on, in my opinion, is when we don't have the ball, you need to be there, 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 there. You need to do this. That's your job. You need to pick him up. You need to come and cover him. You need to that's, that's what Liverpool have to concentrate on right now. Do you know what was worrying? How open Liverpool were as the second half went against on. Against 10 men. Against 10 men. 10 men. I mean, it was bonkers. Mm. And mm -hmm. that's a kind of summation of their season, really. Uh, how they were in that second half. So, yeah, we know Real Madrid are not playing as well. And we know they're chasing Barcelona and they're quite some way behind at the moment. But, but Liverpool's problems run deeper. Certainly at the moment. Uh, let's take a look at some predictions then, shall we? How the boys think things will go at Anfield. Um, draw for... Oh, Steve, we're going for the same result. Look at that. What a treat for you. Great minds. Uh, Burley's going for a 2-1 win. Frank. Uh, and Jules going with a French contingent going with Liverpool. Frank, you think a convincing win for Liverpool. Oh, I forgot you hate Real Madrid, don't you? This is going back to last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, on top of it, you know, I was asked, you know, early today, earlier today, and I thought Karim Bendeba wouldn't play, but I was told, you know, later uh, uh, today that uh, he would be fit enough. Uh, according to Ancelotti's uh, 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 press conference, that it will be there. So I could change my uh, my oh. um, my uh, prediction, uh, but I still think that Liverpool's going to win that tie. Maybe not three-one, but maybe three-two. 
Okay, all right then. And who did you have advancing overall? Liverpool to advance overall, Liverpool, Frank? Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, Frank, well, uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Liverpool. Liverpool, yes. they, you know, they, they have at some point to go through against Real Madrid, you know. So we say in French, we never, never two without three, but it's been three times in a row. So maybe the fourth time is for Liverpool. Ah, there we go. Uh, Jules, meanwhile, Karim Benzema, of course, Carlo Ancelotti speaking ahead of this game, saying he's excited to play uh, this game. Uh, didn't play against Osasuna uh, this week. Um, how fit is he, do you think? I, don't, I still don't think he's 100% fit, but certainly the rest I got the weekend, which was always the plan between him and Carlo Ancelotti, worked. He, he's, I mean, he's 34 years old, so obviously with the season that he's had, with playing, not playing, getting a little niggles, what happened at the World Cup, etc. I think they're just looking after him well. He'd be ready to go, maybe 80, 90%, I'm sure, for tomorrow, for the game against Liverpool. And he's excited because this is when I mean, last season especially, this is when he was at his best. And this is the games yeah. I think that he really enjoys because this is where he, he really comes to life. Should be a lot of fun. The other Champions League tie in Germany sees Eintracht Frankfurt taking on the inform Napoli. Uh, everybody going for a Napoli win, apart from Craig in his anti-Italian ways, thinks it's going to be a 1-1 draw. But still <laughs> Napoli to advance uh, to the next round. Uh, we'll, of course, be reflecting on both of those games on the next edition of the show, so be sure to join us. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. PSG, of course, coming from behind. They were 3-2 down in the 87th minute, but goals from Messi and Kylian Mbappe saw them take all three points at the weekend. Saved by the stars, says the front page of L'Equipe. Of course, no Neymar in that picture. He was off the pitch injured, uh, and it is suggested now he is done. He will not play in the second leg against Bayern, Jules. We're still waiting uh, 48 hours, another 24 hours really for more scans to see exactly the state of his ankle. It's the, the same ankle that got injured in the World Cup. And when you look at the footage and how he twisted it in that, in that shock with Benjamin André, you, 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 you clearly see the, the twist and the turn. 
it depends. It could be two weeks, it could be four, really. You don't want him to be back for two weeks, after two weeks, sorry, and then two weeks later injuring again, and this time he's three months out, for example. So I think they, they will be careful and cautious with the ankle, which is, which is I think, the right, the right thing to do. As much as you would want him against Bayern, if you're Galtier and the team, I, I just don't think you, t you can take that risk because that, that, that ankle is too fragile now. It's too weak in a way that if you risk him and bring him back too early and if he plays with injections or strapped or anything, there's a big risk that at some point later down the line, he will injure it again. Well, bear in mind we sat here talking about how bad he's been yeah. and how, <laughs> uh, you know, Galtier should show, show yeah. some steel and leave him out for the Bayern game. Yes. They can't go with Messi. Yep. Well, they could. Messi, Mbappe and Neymar, they need a bit more solidity, maybe change the shape. We sat and discussed it a week ago. Don't want to see anybody injured, but is it a decision that's sort of come falling in Gaultier's lap? Yeah. He might not have to make that decision now. Perfect. Do you think so, Stevie? Absolutely. One of the best players in the world. I'll tell you what, if I'm Gaultier, right? I'm over near my I'm going, oh, I can't believe it. Disaster. Oh, this is this is the worst news we've had. And see when I go in the dress see when I go in my office and shut the door, I'm like, ah, oh, you're beauty. But Stevie, this no. is Neymar. <laughs> yeah, but we've discussed we've, it. How many what we've been sat here telling how bad the guy's been. How he doesn't do it, he hasn't been doing anything going forward. And he doesn't do anything tracking back. If you're gold here, you got right, no. No, I've still got Messi, I've got Mbappe. No, I can have somebody else in the team who can do a little bit more defending than he ever does. Because we're away at Bayern Munich. It's it's brilliant. But he's had a rough couple here. of weeks. His numbers are still pretty no, impressive. No, listen, listen, listen. Every one of us, nobody's squeezing out of this now. Everyone in this show this is has talked about it's too difficult to fit that front three in, particularly when you're playing the likes of Bayern Munich and the, and the elite Champions League level, because you get horsed. And the rest of the field. Oh, Craig, look at his stats. Come on, look at his stats. So we can't, sit and, we can't sit and discuss it and say... No, but, you, but you're saying he's done nothing this season, which isn't true. No, he's been bad, what? He's had a bad few weeks. And you know what? You, you can't I'll tell just... I'll tell you what, hold on a second. So what is... For a start, in the Champions League, he has absolutely let them down so many times, Right. I don't know. Come he got them to a did final. Watch, he got them to a watch, final. That's you not watch, bad, is it? Did you watch him against Bayern Munich? Couple, oh, last week? Uh, he can't make ago. sweeping statements saying he's never done anything for PSG in the Champions League. He got oh, them I to am a telling final. you that he has, let, yeah. he has let them down when it's mattered most in the Champions League. He's let them down when it's mattered most in the Champions League. Gaultier's not picking the it, team on what he did what, in the Champions League final the last year. He was bought to win the Champions League. The hasn't done it. He wasn't bought to win the, the to win the French League, was he? No, I understand no, that, but I think I think it's, it. I think it's I think it's detrimental those sort of statements to say he's done nothing because I, I don't think that's fair. Okay, I'll take that back. He hasn't done what he's supposed to have done. He hasn't done enough, and he shouldn't be starting against Bayern Munich. And if I'm Gaultier, I'm I'm as happy as Larry because now I can get somebody in there who's going to do a little bit of everything for me and, and give us a better chance of winning this game. Because if Neymar's playing, it's either he wins us the game, as you said, how good he is, or he's going to cost you the game. But he doesn't have that worry anymore. Jules, is this a blessing in disguise? <laughs> I don't know if we can say it's a blessing. It's, I don't know if we can say that it's a blessing in disguise. You don't want anybody to to be injured, no, of, of course. course not. But of we've course, I, I don't mean that, that. Obviously, no. but, but Gaultier's no. hand has no, been No, no, no. Of course, I know, I know. But 
Yeah, yeah, and we said on the show, and I, I, I agree with the boys. I, be, I, I don't believe that those three of them can play and can play well together. You can put them on the pitch together, of course, and they were on the pitch on Saturday for the 50, the 50 minutes that Neymar played. And Neymar was good, was okay, and he scored. Kylian was great, but Messi was anonymous. And I can take you every single game this season, and there hasn't been that many, I give you that, where all three of them started, and we can go through the games again. And I guarantee you that most of the time, not all three of them were good together at the same time in the same game. And I do think that this is a problem. And I think you go away to Munich when you're already 1-0 down from the first leg, so you have to attack because you can't just spend your time defending. It's not enough, you're, you're out at kickoff. So you will have to attack, which means that you will have to expose yourself defensively in a way. And I think those three of them make the team and balance. You, are, you, you defend at, at seven or eight with your goalkeeper because that front three doesn't defend. And it's difficult. It is difficult. Frank? Well, I think, it's, uh, I think if somebody was very unhappy to see Neymar injured was maybe Nagelsmann. And uh, because of the reason that the guy explained that uh, there is a big opportunity for Chris Christophe Galtier to change uh, his team selection that he will have to do, but to change his tactic and to be, to be more solid, to be more uh, consistent and to, to make sure that at least one of the guy at front will defend. So it can be Ekiteke or it can be somebody else or maybe put a midfield more uh, in the middle of the park, which uh, will help to defend better and to you know, in fact, release Mbappe to any defensive uh, task. So it's not a good news for Bayern Munich to see Neymar injured. Neymar was good at the beginning of the season. You cannot take that away from him. He was absolutely fantastic and he had some great games. But as always, you know, in February, we see him disappearing. That's, that's always the same scenario that we see. It's, it's, uh, it's sad because today it's, uh, it's an injury. But before it was something else. But at the end of the day, in football, we are talking about consistency. And when we talk about consistency with Neymar in Paris Saint-Germain, I don't know. I'm still looking for it. Can I, can I say one last thing? Whether you agree with what I said or not, at the end of the day, PSG want rid of him. And they want rid of him for a reason. Uh, meanwhile, of course, that wasn't the only drama we saw in that 4-3 victory. Luis Campos, the PSG sporting director, coming down from the stands to the touchline uh, during the second half. This is what Christophe Gautier had to say about Campos' actions. Uh, I'm in front of him, so I can't see behind. Of course, there are images that circulate. Luis is a passionate, competitive man. He has a great desire to succeed collectively. Luis is a great part of the technical and sporting team, and I have no problem with that because there's no intervention on a technical or tactical level. There is passion. How has this been received in Paris, Jules? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating debate. He's had a lot of criticism, Campos, for his attitude on the touchline, or, or by the touchline. He was at the tunnel. He was not allowed technically to be on the bench. I think otherwise he would have sat there. But he was at the end of the tunnel, so close to the bench that he felt like almost he was there. Shouting at the referee, shouting at the fourth referee, getting clearly like pumped and like, you could see how mad he was at some point. And especially because PSG scored the third goal really late and then the winner even later than that. The issue was what he did in that, in that game on the, on, the, on the side for sure. I think maybe now the bigger issue, if you look at the bigger picture slightly, is the, the weekend before 
when PSG lost away at Monaco, when he came down at halftime in the dressing room and then spoke to the players at halftime. You can, you can have your sporting director on the touchline getting agitated and animated. I, I understand that. I've got no real issues with that. However, your sporting director coming down at halftime, doing the job mm. of your manager, talking to the players who are 3-1 down at the time. I'm not, I, that, I, I don't agree with that. This is not his role. He can come and speak to the players afterwards on the coach, on the flight bag, have a meeting the next day at the training ground. That, okay. Coming at halftime and do the team talk at halftime. And I don't think Galtier liked that, by the way, what happened at Monaco. Mm. And after the game, he came down again and had an argument with Marquinhos and Neymar and he was shouting and they were shouting. And, and again, that's not good. So the Lille, what he did at Lille on the touch line for the last 15, 20 minutes, maybe. I didn't think it was classy, but maybe. But at Monaco at halftime, this is not on. What a mess, Frank. Um, yes, uh, but if there is only one person who understands what the word hierarchy means, it's Christophe Galtier. And he doesn't forget that, uh, in fact, Mr. Campos is above him. So wow. it, what can he do? What can he say? Nothing. He cannot complain. He maybe talk to him and say, you shouldn't do that. But it, publicly, he cannot say anything. That's not classy. I know Mr. Campos is a very nice person, but he has to know that he cannot do that because the only person who's going to be blamed by that is Christophe Galtier for not interfer interfering, sorry, interfering uh, in, in front of everybody saying, what are you doing? Get out of here. You know, I'm the one in charge. But that's the end of the world if he does that. And, uh, and so he, he knows that better than anybody else. But again, if there's one person who understands the word hierarchy is Christophe Galtier. Yeah, hierarchy here on display, but goodness me, it just takes all the power away from the manager, doesn't it? What do the players think? Absolute no-no. And all it does is suck any respect that the players have for the manager. It's an absolute no-no. The only person, as a, as a coach, that, that can talk to players or any of that is the guy that owns the club. Right. He, the guy who owns it is the only, player that can, the only person that can do what he wants because it's his. It belongs to him. Anybody else, and, and, and Frank saying Campos is above him so he can't do anything, I, I actually disagree. As soon as that guy went anywhere near, anywhere near getting involved, Galtier should have been straight over and got straight in his face and told Stevie. him. Yeah. That's his job, he's gone. Stevie, I'm right. sorry, I'm, but, so, I'm sorry guys, Stevie. His job's uh, I, I, if you, you can't have it, it's, a, no, it's a complete no-no. I agree with you, Stevie, but you come from the Premier League. Ask Julians if Leonardo never interfered when he was um, a general manager. Ask if any Italian general manager interfered in Italy or in Spain. That's a Latin problem that people think that he can over... Uh, go over the coach and say what they think. That's a prime. You come from the Premier League where you never see that. And I agree with you. Chairman don't go down. General manager stay in their seats. But in, in Latin countries, that's, that's something we can see a lot. Well, I remember, I, I, was just, I remember Kenny Douglas come into the dressing room during a, a cup tie uh, at Celtic uh, when John Barnes was a manager and John was... And his coaches were given a half-time team talk, rant, whatever you want to call it, and Kenny bust in. And whilst they're obviously close and you know, yeah. there's not a fr friction between those two in particular, it, it made for a really awkward and embarrassing situation for the manager. I bet. Because 
you know, he had to take a... It's like, you can't do your job, I've got to do it for well, you. Well, effectively, when Kenny came in, Barnsley had to take a, a step back to the side and just listen. Right. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not helpful to yeah. anybody. Yeah. Speaking about stepping to the side and just listening, you can check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast. However, Jules in the big boy chair as Gab is away. Nader Manua uh, joins him. Be sure to check out the latest edition, which is available now to listen to. Find a new name for this show. (laughs) Gab's never Sometimes. Gab's never there. Sometimes Gab and Jules show. (laughs) Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Uh, that is it then that brings us to the end of today's show fear not though Frank is back Craig and Stevie here as well to answer your tweets on Extra Time which is next Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. turning into another marathon show, isn't it? It's not quite the two hours of Saturday, no. but we're getting there. Uh, Craig and Stevie with us here in the studio. Frank joins us as well. Two hours. Yes. Yeah. Two hours of quality television oh, yes. served up on Saturday. I mean, there must have been some dross in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, Absolute guff. must have been loving it. Speaking of dross, let's get on with extra time. Stevie, once again, it's Liverpool versus Real Madrid or Manchester United against Barcelona. If you had to only watch one, which would it be? That's a silly question. Oh, come on. You're watching Liverpool, Real Madrid. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be torture. But I'm watching that before, yeah. before that other stuff. Before that other stuff. Oh, did you enjoy the United Barcelona game? It was good though, wasn't it? Well, it'd be better if Xavi had picked his starting eleven. What? Oh, he didn't. He made changes, didn't he? Oh, Stevie, it was still. Well, fun. He made changes. Was it a fun game? Yes. Yeah. Was it entertaining? Yes. Yeah, it was. Well, just say that. Listen, listen. He wanted the strongest oh. team out because he wanted United to get beat. <laughs> Right, let's just cut. I <laughs> shouldn't be a surprise. That's it. any surprise. Uh, Frank, Liverpool, Real Madrid, United, or Barcelona? Which are you more excited about? Oh no, definitely Liverpool, Real Madrid. It's Champions League. Come on, come on. It's top of the top. Uh, yeah. No, no, no way. I'm going to watch the other one. Frank, I gave that answer last week, and Mr. Thomas wasn't having it as an answer. Well, I, my sell was that the quality between the two games was going to be higher in the United-Barcelona match, but we don't have to go over all that again. Uh, why does Pep no. refuse to u- use his substitutes? Probably the highest quality bench yet. He didn't make a sub until 1-1 in the 88th minute, especially with a Champions League game midweek. He see, he's reluctant, isn't he? I think if you look through, it, through his games... So you're probably asking the wrong person. Why? Well, because well, Pep's I, not here. No, because I, I grew up... The culture of Liverpool was that, you know, the team that was picked was picked for a reason. And whether you, whether you won the game in the first minute or the last minute, 
the general in a, no, yes, there wasn't five subs. Right. But I'm pretty sure there wouldn't have been that many changes made. Because there was only and, one sub. Yeah, but the, the, the point of it is as well. You got, you got, hold, you on, got, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. The, po the point as well is, is that, you know, Liverpool in particular, we scored a lot of goals in the last 10 minutes again. Right. And the reason for that is because the team that was on there had completely worn the opposition down. But it's a different era now, isn't it? No, no. That's, that's, that's why I'm saying you're asking the wrong person. OK, well, you gave quite a lot of answers to the wrong person. I mean, you know, I, I just, I don't, I, I, that was quite the sentence, really. <laughs> they never made many changes back in the day. Oh, they couldn't. They only had one. But you're right, he argued for five subs. Yeah. And he's been one of Yeah, the, uh, he's been quite reluctant to make them, hasn't he? He's been more reluctant. I don't know. Uh, exactly. Stevie, which, man which managerial situation is worse? Chelsea or PSG? Nah. Chelsea. Come on. You think so? Well, because you've got no chance. He's got no chance. You know, there, there are certain things that you need to do at PSG, and one of them we spoke about on the show mm. is you need to sit. Neymar, right, or set one of the three because the three can't play, or it's not, it's not, it's to the detriment of the team in the bigger games if the three of them are on the field at the same time. I mean, that's kind of. Whereas, you go to Chelsea, you've got a million problems, right, and it's a question of which one's the toughest one to make. There's just so many things that he has to do that, that they just make it impossible. At least you've got. A, at least you've got a glimmer of a chance at PSG. What do you think, Frank? I agree with Stevie. I think uh, Chelsea is a big mess right now. Where Paris Saint-Germain, they still have some hopes, challenges. You know, uh, they're, they're first in the league, uh, Ligue 1, and they are in the Champions League where they can go through. Where I don't think Chelsea is going to be able to uh, to turn around uh, and, and and put down uh, Dortmund. And even though. The, what you have to build there, um, you will need another season to see maybe maybe the end of, of the nightmare. So uh, it's it's a big chamble at Chelsea where I think it's something sortable, you know, at Paris Saint-Germain. Well, there's a slight counter-argument to that. I think there's a fair chance Gaultier will be out of work before Graham Potter. Oh, it's going to be close, yeah. 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 Uh, who's more likely to turn things around in their respective second leg, Craig, and advance the next round? PSG, Chelsea or Spurs? PSG lost 1-0 to Bayern, Chelsea lost 1-0 to... Most Dortmund. likely it's going to be Spurs. Spurs lost 1-0 to Milan. Because Milan are the weaker of all those teams. Yep. Chelsea uh, gave... Actually, we were talking on the show about there's any, any sort of beaking of light for Chelsea at the moment. I think the general performance in Dortmund Yep. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Bad goal they gave away. But I think Spurs at home, yeah, against not a very good Milan side. You're not in, Stevie? You agree? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Frank? Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. Okay, final question is about you, Frank. I've heard that traditionally French sports teams don't mind losing away, but would put heroic efforts at home so they could enjoy the night on the town after. Is there any truth to this? What were the major differences between the French and English changing rooms? Uh, can you can you repeat because I'm not sure I understood what you said. So you they're know? saying that so French, French teams would try French teams would try harder at home than they would away because they want to do well at home so they can go out in the night. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't have, I don't know. I, I, I always thought that you you maybe work harder because you want to please your fans because you play at home. 
uh, yeah. whether you want to go out or not. You know, yeah, it's, it's going to be an issue if you play for Marseille or you play for Saint-Etienne because fans are, are crazy down there and if you lose, <laughs> of course, you cannot go out. You know, they're going to kick you out of the nightclub or wherever you're going to be. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but no, I don't think so. I think uh, uh, that's just uh, legendary, let's say, but uh, I don't believe that. Okay. And the last bit is what were the major differences between the French and English dressing rooms for you, Frank? Obviously, beautiful Craig Burley was in there with you. Well, you know what? What I... Uh, what I love the most about an English dressing room, you know, with all the British that I saw, is the fighting spirit. Um, doesn't matter what you want to achieve, you always have, you know, players who want to, who are ready to give their lives for the club they, they are playing for. And, uh, and this is what I found with Craig, with Dennis Wise, with Marcus, with Steve Clark, and so many others that I really be. Uh, be amazed about they are ready to fight and they go for it and they will never give up and they will give you the good spirit so yeah it's nice to be in a, an english dressing room or british dressing room instead of french one where yeah i know people think they're mostly artists than anything else wow well, the big difference would be the obviously the british sense of humor yes and which is slightly Drier, shall I say? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a slightly different sense of humour that takes a lot of the uh, yeah. uh, the European lads, Central European lads, a bit of time to get into. Yes, but when they're into it, they're into there it. There is one. Right. Anything more about substitutes, Stevie? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Anything more on substitutes? You never used to use three or four substitutes. <laughs> That's it. We're done. ESPNFC is back tomorrow. Uh, Craig and Stevie will be here to reflect on Liverpool against Real Madrid. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.